0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities Podcast, the number one Bears podcast on Apple Podcasts for Bears news, analysis, and conversation. I'm your host, Austin, founder of Halstead Collective, a new and innovative voice in Chicago sports media. And today I'm going to be joined by my co-host, Reese. Today we have a wide variety of interesting topics, including the Bears signing defensive end Mario Edwards, Mitchell Trubisky being named the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears, at least for week one, and recentized reactions. Then we're going to be getting into our 52 man roster reactions and our Detroit Lions pregame analysis and predictions finally we're going to wrap up the show by giving you guys six current free agents who can make the Chicago Bears a much better team But before we get into the show, we have to ask you guys one favor that would really help us out. And that's to leave us a rating and review after you're done listening to the show. Just go to the bottom of Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review and type us a a little message about what you like about the show and what you wish to see more of as well. That helps us out tremendously. It helps promote our shows to other people. And if we see you leave us a review, we will shout you out on the podcast. So uh, we would really appreciate if you guys did that. Um, Helps us tremendously. But anyways, thank you guys so much for tuning in once again to the bear necessities podcast and let's get into the show hello everybody and welcome back to the bear necessities podcast reese how you doing this week pretty good you know i'm really excited to get
1: into the to the football i mean it's kind of crazy thinking that it's coming up so uh so soon you know at the regular season you know kind of without the preseason games really kind of creeps up on you but You know, here we are and getting ready to talk about week one and everything. So, honestly, that's kind of what's kept me me going, listening to all the new Bears news, you know, watching some of the propaganda that is the Chicago Bears YouTube channel. So, all all that good
0: stuff. (laughs) You know, there might be that sort of propaganda, but I also see that, you know, CBS and all these other, you know, NFL networks, they're putting out some uh, really poor rankings for the Chicago Bears as well. I mean, I was looking around this morning, I can't, I didn't see a single ranking for us over 25. And you know, like we're really harsh on the Chicago bears. Like we are really harsh. Sometimes we get called Packers fans. It's funny on our YouTube channel. We get all sorts of different comments. Like I cannot believe you don't think this player is amazing, or I can't believe you think this player is amazing. It's just, it's funny to see the spectrum. And it seems like most of the commenters are either on one side of the spectrum or the other side. Um, But uh, it, 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 It's interesting because we are very harsh on the Bears, yet we still kind of recognize that, you know, ranking them at 25, 26 is just not right.
1: Yeah. And and once again, like I kind of understand where like the national media kind of, uh, you know, where their perspective comes from and where it develops. And and I think it's interesting to see kind of like even within our own division, I think a lot of national media analysts kind of see Minnesota maybe not being a top team, but, you know, them being a lot more competitive than I think if you ask most Minnesota Viking fans, like how they feel like they're going to be this year. Um, You know, I I think there's always kind of that, you know, misunderstanding between the local and, and national kind of coverage of certain teams. And I think a lot of it just comes from, you know, that national uncertainty about quarterback, especially with them, you know, picking Trubisky as a starter. But at the same time, and that's not what this whole team is, there's a lot more to this team. Even with Mitch struggling last season, the Bears went 8-8. and So, you know, it's really kind of tough to to say that they're going to get even worse, you know, when I feel like they've got, became a lot better of a team.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I don't, like, people are saying that there's like a, if, you know, Mitch Trubisky is bad or whatever, they're going to have a horrible season. Mitch Trubisky had probably his best or his worst year ever as a Chicago Bear last year. And we still went eight and eight. And now we have a better team and an easier uh, schedule. So, yeah, I, I, I'm uh, I'm a little more optimistic than the Bears being 29th or 28th in the NFL like some national media reporters are going to have to be. But, hey, you know, everyone appreciates a good underdog story. The Bears did a lot better when they were ranked as underdogs throughout the entire 2018 offseason season. That led to them going 12 and 4. So you know maybe we play better from this position, I guess. But uh, a couple of funny comments, and uh, since I was talking about them before, uh, you know, got another one of the Bears are going to be undefeated. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate that one undefeated <laughs> Super Bowl champs. I think it was the same guys before. Um, and you you know you just see a whole re- a really a wide spectrum of uh, f- hilarious comments. I mean, one person when uh, the one, my favorite comment on the Mitchell Trubisky video that I put out kind of as like a really quickly um on YouTube you know if you guys haven't checked us out on YouTube go ahead check us out there we do a lot of kind of more instant reaction stuff there and one of my favorite comments was hey man I want to throw up right now (laughs) and and that, that that one that one really uh that one really made me happy it was kind of funny to see um, and then, of course, we always get our comments from Don Burr, the Detroit Lions fan, who's always <laughs> commenting about how good the Lions are right now. So I'm sure we're going to probably, you know, aggravate him a little bit with this episode where we talk about the Lions. But um, other than that, everything's been going great. Let's go ahead and get into the first topic. The Chicago Bears signed Mario Edwards. This is the first signing they've pretty much had uh, since training camp begun. I'm, you know. Mario Edwards, he's someone who hasn't really lived up to his draft status thus far, um, but still is a consistent, you know, pressure, good depth guy. He was on like a $9 million contract with the Saints. Uh, so that's why they ended up cutting him uh, right at training camp. And we ended up just grabbing him, uh, a guy that Ryan Pace is familiar with. Khalil Mack played with him previously in Oakland where he was drafted. Um, and someone who I'm actually really excited for, you know, we in a way lost a little bit of depth at defensive end. He's a defensive end. I don't know if I said that. 3-4 defensive end. Um We lost a little bit of depth there when we went ahead and moved Bilal Nichols over to nose tackle, which he actually won the nose tackle job, which we'll get into in a little bit. But pretty much I'm happy that we are adding some more veteran line talent. I think something that Ryan Pace has always done really well is a lot of our backups are good veteran guys. uh, Guys who have experience in the league can help coach the younger guys. And hey, if we need them, they can come ahead and step in. I think we're going to have a lot more rotation at at the front three positions here uh, on this defensive line.
1: Yeah, and I think it's with the defensive line and beyond it as well. I mean, honestly, I like what they did with bringing in Robert Quinn. Obviously, it was it was a great signing. But even below that, you know, talk about Mingo, talking about some of the other kind of depth guys that they have brought in. It just serves them well. I mean, to be able to rotate and kind of bring in those players. I mean, you have Khalil Mack. You're not going to be able to find someone of his caliber or even afford him to to compliment him. But kind of the next best best next best thing is to kind of get a fleet of guys that can come in and stay fresh and you know pressure from the other side and take advantage of some of those advantageous matchups so something that you know leonard floyd in his time here wasn't really able to exploit when he was on the field healthy you know it didn't seem like he was probably getting into the backfield as much as he should even with all that speed and talent that he had so i think it's kind of the best move for the bears and i think we're seeing it here with mario edwards as well getting some more depth on the defensive line, like you were saying, you know, Bilal Nichols optimally be playing at that end position. But just because the way things have worked out this year, um, you know, with Eddie Goldman opting out, you know, caused that shift, you know, and they're kind of in need of of adding some more bulk there, a position that they're usually pretty bulky at. Um, But, you know, I think that this is a good move, a quality move, and I think it's something that resembles a lot of, like, what Philly had in their Super Bowl run where they kind of just had a very stacked front seven with the ability to kind of sub any of them out at any time and always stay fresh and always be kind of putting the pressure on the offenses and not the other way around.
0: Yeah, and when you look at it, this is... The Bears most stacked defense in the past couple of years um, even comparing them to the 2018 team this team has such more way more talent you know they they brought in some high draft picks they brought in you know Robert Quinn a guy who just came off with what was it 12 13 tech season last year um, so yeah I'm I'm excited for this defense this year it's kind of funny because I saw someone saying that the Bears defense didn't even rank top six in personnel And, you know, if you want to say the Bears defense doesn't rank, you know, top three in performance in 2020, that's, you know, defense can be a little bit unpredictable. You never really know how things are going to shake out, especially with injuries and everything. But saying that they don't rank top six in personnel is one of the most laughable traits I've ever seen from a national media reporter.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, with as far as like how the actual rankings come out, you know, first off, there's a lot of ways you can look at defense. You can say the number one defense of the team that gives up the least yards or you can say the least points there's really a lot of ways that you can look at it. And at the same time, you know, sometimes it doesn't always translate to stats. I mean, yeah, the, the number one team in the league, the number one defensive league, they're going to be a good defense, but you know, there can be some teams that are just performing, you know, top 10 in general that are, are very quality in defense and just not everything translates to the stats department, but saying that they're, you know, not top six in personnel, I'd say it's definitely a top three in personnel kind of defense and just hoping that the that they can actually live up to that performance-wise, I think is ultimately what you know needs to be said for this defense. I'm very optimistic about it. I, I'm with you. I think this is better than than the 2018 lineup that they had. Um, you know, I think they're just younger in all the right places, fresher in all the right places. Um, you know, I, I think swapping out you know a Jalen Johnson for a Prince of Mukamara, you know, I think that's a fair swap. Honestly, Leonard Floyd for
0: Robert Quinn.
1: Yeah, and and that too. I mean, even though it's not getting younger at the position, I think that it's adding you know a better fit to the defense. I think Floyd was a great talent, but never really kind of fit in with into the three four scheme or at least the Bears scheme as you know well as he could have.
0: He was really a player that was intended for Vic Fangio because he actually does like to have his uh, outside linebackers and his uh, three four play coverage, which is not something that Chuck Pagano tends to like. He kind of runs it more like a 5-2 where, you know, Khalil Mack is always going to be pass rushing. And in my opinion, that's the right way to run it. But, I mean, Vic Fangio obviously had a great uh, a great scheme here with us too, and I'm not going to really question what he did. Uh, but, yeah, I think that this is going to be a much more aggressive defense. It was, it was another funny take that I saw um, from some national media reporters saying that uh, Chuck Pagano runs a less aggressive scheme than Vic Fangio, which, um, again – uh, a really laughable take. And uh, it's not that I'm trying to criticize these reporters. I understand that uh, a lot of them don't really, you know, understand the exact, like they don't, they can't watch every single game film. And, you know, we tried covering national nationally Reese, and it didn't really work out too well. Cause it's yeah, just yeah. really, it's really difficult. So it's a lot easier to get a really in-depth understanding on one team than it is to cover nationally. But at the end of the day, uh, the reporter cited that they were in a lot of cover three defense formations. And I think what they kind of fail to forget or fail to look at and that's I understand from like a more like a bigger perspective and overlooking at the stats and looking what type of defenses they're playing why you'd get that assumption but Actually, believe it or not, Chuck Pagano's defense is actually a much more aggressive scheme in how it's meant to be ran um, because of just the way that uh, he, he the way he blitzes, the way he rushes, uh, the type of coverages. He uses a lot more man coverages. It's a much more aggressive scheme. The reason why we played so much cover three and so much more, you know, laid back coverages is because our defense played like, I think it was something like two or three more games than any other defense in the NFL. They were exhausted. So, yeah, when you have players who are constantly on the field because the offense sucks, you kind of have to loosen the load on them by playing less aggressive schemes. Uh, you can't expect them to be at peak performance on every single snap. So, um, you know, and that, that was actually coming from – I'm not going to single out any names because I'm actually a, a fan of this reporter. Um, but that was coming from someone who's actually a Chicago sports fan as well. So uh, it's kind of disappointing to see that. But I think this year we're going to see probably the most aggressive defense that we've seen out of the Chicago Bears – uh, Chuck Pagano has players in another year of his scheme. Obviously, with Vic Fangio, we had a ton of continuity there. And hopefully, with this uh, this a little bit more continuity in Chuck Pagano's scheme, we're going to actually see some better improvements this year. So let's go ahead and move on. There were plenty of signings, many of which aggravated Chicago Bears fans, including myself, Leonard Flo- or- Leonard Floyd Leonard Fournette uh, he ended up signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Adrian Peterson ended up signing with the Detroit Lions and uh, Jadavian Clowney ended up going to the Tennessee Titans. Now, you know Clowney, whatever, one million dollar, one one year, twelve million dollar contract. I don't really care too much about him. But the Chicago Bears in a position where our starting running back right now is questionable for Week One. Thankfully, he returned to practice, so it looks like he probably will be available. But at the end of the day, we've talked extensively, Reese, on this podcast about how the Chicago Bears need to add a running back in some capacity this year and two pretty dang decent running backs two guys who put up pretty good seasons last year right off the market right off the market I think both of them got less than three million dollar contracts uh Adrian Peterson particularly had a one million dollar contract Seems like a home run for the Chicago Bears Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy did not sign them or really even put any thought into them it seems like Reese what are your initial takes on this
1: yeah, I think with Fournette, I mean, he was I think he is someone that didn't end up coming in because of his uh because of his I don't know, history. his off the field issues, his history, yeah, um with what he had, you know, done when, in his time with Jacksonville and all that. So I, I think it's just a, a character kind of thing, even though I think he fit fit the scheme, Nagy scheme a lot better than people would need on. I, I, people are always saying, oh, yo, he doesn't catch the ball out of the backfield like, um, you know, like Nagy would like, but I, you know, he has someone that had 50 plus receptions the previous year, 70, I think even, you know, which I, you can't really say that He doesn't have a willingness to catch the he ball. He was up there backfield. with David Montgomery. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that he can be used in that way and. You know, at some point, you do kind of have to adjust the player a bit as well. So I think that had to do with everything with off the field issues. And with Adrian Peterson, I think that, you know, for the Bears, you can kind of give him the pass and it doesn't fit the offense. I mean, Peterson is, yeah, I mean, he is literally a running back of a different generation at this point. He, you know, <laughs> started playing in a league that was a lot different. Um, and, he, and he's adapted in his time and he's stayed relevant and still put up productive seasons. But yeah, you know, as far as Nagy's use, he's not someone that's going to be you know, crazy at catching the football, probably not the best route runner as a running back, but you know, as far as power and just use and, you know, having someone to bang it in on the goal line, he would be, would be perfect. So yeah, I, I agree. I think there are a couple of misses. I see the justification and why the bears didn't go out there and get them. And as for Clowney, I think, you know, I think the bears technically do have the cap space to go out and get them. I mean, that would make it this defense insane. Um, you know, <laughs> I guess not everything can be perfect, though. And, you know, it wasn't a move that I was expecting them to go out there and make.
0: Yeah, you know, it would have been awesome to see Jadavian Clowney. We actually technically had the cap space to do it. But at this point, it would have been a little bit of overkill. And we have other players I think would have fit or not necessarily fit better, but that we could have used uh, more desperately than another defensive end. Um, So ultimately, the Clowney thing I don't really care too much about. But really, those other two players, Adrian Peterson and Leonard Fournette, those just seemed like home run moves. It came right on the market when we needed a running back. I still think we need a running back. I don't think that Ryan Nall should ever be starting on this team. <laughs> um, hot take, but uh, it, it it just, I, I wish we would have had more veteran presence. I think it would have even helped David Montgomery, just help him develop as a, uh, in like, not a, not necessarily as like a locker room guy, but like studying film, like getting used to the 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 process of being an NFL pro. It's something that is absolutely a, a, a transition for a lot of players. So ultimately, yeah. uh, I wish that we ended up bringing one of those guys in.
1: It hurts to see
0: Peterson go to the Lions too. Honestly. That yeah, that one that one hurts more. That one hurts more because he just seemed like the perfect fit for us, and especially when we were rumored to be looking at him just even a year ago. Um, and someone who had a pretty decent year last year. You know, he's obviously getting old, but um someone who, who's a really an NFL veteran to the core, up there with Frank Gore type of longevity in this league. And, you know, obviously Frank Gore isn't considered dominant anymore, but what is he now? Like thirty seven, thirty-eight? He he's up yeah, there for he's, he's up there for a running, a running back. back. Yeah, yeah, for a
1: running back, he's like archaic at this point.
0: And Peterson's thirty six now too. So he's he's getting up there. To be honest, this is uh Probably gonna date us a little bit, uh, Reese, and kind of a in a good way, I guess. But uh, I don't really think I really watched the NFL before Adrian Peterson was a running back in the NFL so uh, I I definitely was just like a kid watching you know maybe the Bears in the Super Bowl Um, but yeah Adrian Peterson's really been in the league the entire time I've been a serious football fan so when he having him on the Bears you know maybe it's just a little bit of nostalgia that'd be kind of good Uh, maybe uh, getting a second Adrian Peterson on the Chicago Bears that I remember that one we had not too long or uh, how many years ago was that now like man that
1: that was during the Levy Smith era okay it was a so it is ago.
0: it is okay so it really is a long time ago but yeah so unfortunately we can't get uh adrian peterson number two on the chicago bears <laughs> team um but let's go ahead and move on uh, to our last quick topic of the week week uh reese i texted you yesterday because uh Allen Robinson, he was posting a bunch of kind of cryptic messages on his social media, uh, you know, some faces with the zippers on them and then also uh, just saying, like, don't trip because the goal is bigger and just yeah. all, all all, different kind of cryptic stuff that led a lot of Bears fans to start freaking out because we're like, okay, did he get traded? Uh, did he get an extension? Like, where? what's going on right now? Why is he sending out this cryptic stuff? And it seemed like... Ryan Pace was about to talk to the media 45 minutes later. So in my head, Reese, we kind of talked about it. We're like, okay, maybe an extension is coming. Maybe when Ryan Pace uh, sits down at the presser, he's going to announce a new extension for Allen Robinson. My guess is that Allen Robinson just got his first offer. For a contract, because before this point in time, uh, Ryan Pace or Allen Robinson admitted that he hadn't really gotten any offers uh, from the Bears. So I'm guessing that he got his very first offer and that it wasn't that favorable to him. So that that's my initial guess right now. But the, the good thing is, Ryan Pace did come out and he did say that he wants Allen Robinson on this team in the future and that they're going to do whatever they can to get him there and that he doesn't see this offseason as a deadline for an extension. So this could be something where he gets it a couple weeks into the season.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's either going to happen in the season. I wouldn't even be surprised, I mean, if it happened after the season. I, I, feel, I think that's a pretty um, kind of a take that not a lot of people have. I think a lot of people do see this off season kind of as the deadline for it. Sometimes you want to get, I mean, you generally do want to get these things kind of wrapped up before the season starts. But I, I think in Al Robinson's case, it's something that the Bears are, going to be willing to pay him some very serious money for you know just like Ryan Pace suggests but at the same time I think that they're going to try to be realistic with it I think that you know there's a chance that they to give him a bit of a low ball offer to kind of see how he would react and that's kind of how they're going to want negotiations to go I think the Bears want to be in the driver's seat for it and not really looking to get played around by Allen Robinson and I don't think Allen Robinson has any intentions of doing that but at the same time I think that the bears are very much going to try to be in control of this whole negotiation process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, the the harsh reality of the situation is that the bears have had a really crappy offense over the past couple of years and they might just be in the mindset where they aren't ready to guarantee anything to any of these offensive players like they want to see their performance this year so that they can get a proper evaluation allen robinson his first year with the chicago bears it was you know it was okay he he showed what he can do obviously coming off of a torn acl uh, and then this past year he did he had a really good year um, but still looking for maybe a little bit of a jump here, making maybe the jump to elite wide receiver type of play. Um, And I think that he can do it this year. And, you know, it could benefit him to not be playing on a contract this year. He could get a better extension. Look at DeAndre Hopkins. He just signed over a $20 million deal this morning as we're recording this, which is uh, huge for him. Keenan Allen got close to 20. Um, This contract is not going to be cheap for Allen Robinson. And I don't blame the Bears for not wanting to guarantee anything. They don't, I mean... In a perfect world situation, they might be needing to give Mitch a contract next year. Now, I don't really foresee that happening. But in their perfect world situation, that that would be the best case scenario. So maybe they're trying to keep some cap space open for that. Um, But ultimately, it is what it is at this point. If we lose Allen Robinson, I'm not going to be very happy. um, But it is what it is. And we can't really be uh, too... Actually, you know what? I, I take that back alan robinson is really the only offensive stability this team has had in like the past like six or seven years so i think (laughs) he is absolutely a must sign at this point or like getting really really good trade value for him uh which i know is going to upset a lot of bears fans but hey that might actually benefit us depending on how the wide receivers are looking in this next year's draft but hey no one no one needs to say that no one heard that um yeah
1: yeah. i think with Allen robinson i think that You know, I think the Keenan Allen deal kind of puts what he's going to get kind of probably into perspective. I think he'll probably get around the same number for him, or I think that's what Robinson will be asking for at least. Um, You know, be it, I think that, you know, Keenan is a totally different receiver, but at the same time, he's someone that has battled injuries um, and when he has played has shown really well. But, you know, someone that, you know, the Chargers know when they're locking him down, they're not necessarily getting the most consistent as far as always going to be able to play week in and week out. So I think that Robinson can definitely try to shoot for that kind of a deal. You know, I think that he is the best offensive stability the Bears have had in in a good while. I will say this, though. I mean, I think that, you know, he's a great asset for a team. Um, he's a great asset for the Bears I think that you know he is best suit on a team that's a legitimate contender that has a more explosive uh you know complementary wide receiver that I kind of wish the Bears had because I think that you know in their dependence of Allen Robinson we kind of saw what it got us last year um you know it, it didn't lead to any huge explosive plays it kind of just led to the Bears chunking it down the field when they could and when Mitchell could get him the ball. So you know, kind of have to see how that adapts and evolves, but a lot of belief in, uh, in in that Robinson's going to get signed at some point.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty confident he will as well. Um, so let's go into the news that every single bears fan is crying about over the past couple, the past week and every, you know, national media outlet is making fun of the Chicago bears, the Chicago bears and Matt Nagy and Ryan pace, all named Mitchell Trubisky, the starter for the first game of the 2020 season. No guarantees after that. Um, Matt Nagy said that he flat out won the battle. He said that he has improved mightily this off season. He said he's seen a lot of improvement as far as diagnosing coverages and understanding the playbook. Um, and that he also has just sensed a different feel around Mitchell Trubisky. And that's, that's actually something normally I would say, okay, yeah, let's coach speak. You know, that's uh we talk about how well-trained the Chicago Bears are with the media. They know what to say. They know what not to say, but, when the message is consistent from the head coach, the GM Ryan Pace said he just it just felt like Mitch was different this off season. To uh, even Cordell Patterson saying that it didn't seem like he was the guy last year, but you know, which is kind of an indictment on on Mitchell Trubisky. But he says this year he seems like he's the guy. He seems like he's taking control. And it seems like this is his, whole, his team. And hey, this has been echoed since the beginning of the offseason. Ted Ginn Jr., I don't know if you guys remember, but he said he thought Mitchell Trubisky was going to be the starter this year right when he came in the door, um, just based on how I think how he felt about Mitchell Trubisky, just the the experience that he had with the team. And hey, um, I just think that at the end of the day, The Bears aren't ready to give up on Mitchell Trubisky. That's why they brought in Nick Foles. That's why they brought in a guy that who, if he's not going to be the starter, he's going to be a really helpful backup and he can play, you know, right off the bench immediately. He's going to be, he's a really, he's the best backup quarterback of all time uh, at the end of the day. So Reese, I already gave my reactions on YouTube. I'll give them again in a little bit, but where are you feeling with this Mitchell Trubisky being named the starter for the 2020 NFL season, or at least in the, in the near future?
1: Yeah, I think I'm pretty mixed about it. I think that, you know, uh, I'm not surprised. I think that, you know, you and I have seen this coming for a little while now. Um, So I've kind of been prepared for it. I don't think it takes me back. I think this is what the Bears, um, ever since kind of coronavirus kind of gave a, a certain shift to the league. I think this has been the direction the Bears have been heading in. And I think that Mitch probably has improved. I think that there's probably certain amounts to whether it be his mechanics or kind of his mental work that, you know, like you said, Nagy alluded to, you know, all the work that he's been doing off the field, which I think kind of lends itself to pouring over the tape and understanding the tape and and the film and all that. So I I think that he probably has gotten better in that, right? I just really want to see what it turns out to on the field. I mean, I think a lot of this was, it's a very kind of beneficial, very, uh, a good start for the Bears, you know, where they can feel pretty confident about putting uh, Mitchell Trubisky on the field and feeling that, you know, even if he doesn't really play at his best, the Bears can still win these games. And even look at Detroit. I mean, it's a start where it's a team that he's historically been good against. One of his better teams has consistently put together great performances against the Detroit Lions. Why not give him the go, see what he can do kind of get a more positive buzz going on and kind of see where that can ride him out for the next three games. I think that if he struggles in that time period, that's kind of be all the Bears kind of need to know. Um, some favorable matchups, they expect Mitchell to Mitchell Trubisky to come out there and, and shine and play well. And I think Mitch has a little bit of belief in himself as well, so hopefully that's what actually happens. But, uh, man, if that's not lived up to, I feel like then we're going to really start to see this kind of quarterback talks uh, simmering back up.
0: Yeah, and I think you really hit the nail on the head. I think that me and you have really been expecting this since probably first week of training camp. The first real week when we were able to hear about the media where it was close and we're like, okay, you know what? If it's close, you go with Mitchell Trubisky, and that's what I would do too. If I was Ryan Pace or Matt Nagy, if Mitchell Trubisky is keeping this close, he's improved. A little bit and if you've seen him improve mentally obviously a lot of stuff that happens off the field uh, that is included in this evaluation but if you've seen some sort of improvement the best dang scenario for the Chicago Bears time and time again is that Mitchell Trubisky he works out and he becomes our franchise quarterback and if he's showing improvement you need to at least see if he can transfer that onto the field we need to remember that the, the the whole Mitchell Trubisky-Chicago Bears situation, this is going to affect us well beyond this season. If Mitchell Trubisky goes out and drops a couple of games for us and then we make the switch, that's fine. I'm fine with that because guess what? I know that Mitchell Trubisky really wasn't the right answer. And I don't think that... I don't put it past Mitchell Trubisky to have a little bit of a rebound here. You know, he almost put up a – I think he had like 28 touchdowns, 12 interceptions uh, in 2018. That's not a bad stat line. Last year, obviously not great, but there was a lot of issues outside of him, a lot of injuries Um, Just a lot of overall offensive ineptitude. I think that Chicago Bears fans, we like to blame all the three and outs on him. But at the end of the day, we have problems that go a lot deeper than Mitchell Trubisky. And that's the sad thing. I think that's the harsh reality that a lot of Chicago Bears fans are going to have to digest right now is that last year was not on Mitchell Trubisky solely. And I know it's convenient to blame it on Mitchell Trubisky because then, hey, oh, we make the transfer to Nick Foles and all of a sudden the offense is just amazing, right? right? Not really. That's not what's going to happen. Like Mitchell Trubisky was not the sole reason of everything that happened last year. There's tons and tons of other factors that went into that. And Hey, if those other factors are improved and Mitchell Trubisky has improved, let's see what he has week one.
1: Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that, you know, with all that being said, I think if Foles was the quarterback right now, I would say that I would feel better that Nagy would feel more confident using more of the playbook, that he would probably open things up a bit that we might get to see a little bit more of a balanced offense. No. I think that, you know, that's not the situation that we're in, but I think that it does raise certain questions. You know, I think that, you know, you do make yourself a little bit more vulnerable playing Mitchell Trubisky, but it's the risk that they kind of have to take, that they've kind of been almost destined to take at this point. It seems like it's kind of just been this one long journey leading up to this point. And now, you know, now is actually when it gets serious. I know that it was a competition and, you know, Mitchell uh, Trubisky had to to show and play well. But uh, now I think actually seeing him in game time, that's what everyone's kind of, kind of gearing up to see. And I think it's part of what makes this week one matchup against Detroit, uh, a team that, like I said before, he's played well against. Hopefully he comes out there and has another great performance and can kind of at least put uh, those quarterback talks to bed for at least one week, uh, probably until they go up and play their uh, week two game.
0: Well, I mean, the one last thing I want to mention before, um, uh, we, we have a lot more to talk about with Mitchell Trubisky, but just kind of talking about the overall baseline level of why they made this decision is think about the momentum aspect from going from Trubisky to Foles. If Trubisky goes out and they're not having a great year and you make the you make the change to Foles, that could be a huge momentum booster. That could be like, okay, now we have a guy who can really run this offense. We know he can run the offense. Uh, we know that he's been practicing getting better with these receivers. It's the best weapons he's had around him in uh, – in a very long time since he won the Super Bowl and uh, he's never had a defense like this either. Like this guy could maybe do this, right? That's the momentum when you make that change. (laughs) Now, if you were to put Nick Foles out there and change it to Trubisky, that is a complete momentum loser. Like that is just something that you will not repair. You will not, your team will not repair from. You're not going to be able to uh, fix that. So it's just, it makes more sense just going from the younger guy, the incumbent to the the new guy, like that. It just even when you look at what happened with like Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota, they did the same thing over there. They put out Marcus Mariota for a couple weeks. Hopefully, Trubisky can do better than Marcus Mariota did because it looks like he's not even going to be on the Raiders this year because he had such a bad camp. Um, but go ahead and put out Nick Foles and maybe he can be better than Mitchell Trubisky. But my big question, and this is really the one that. I'm the most concerned about has Mitchell Trubisky actually improved and Reese you can um, I, I want to get your thoughts on this first because we you know I it coaches 10 when they have quarterbacks that aren't performing too well to always say they improved but I kind of am believing it this year I'm kind of believing it a little bit
1: yeah I mean I I feel like you know he's improved but you know I, I kind of take that in the scope of each team improves, you know, year in, year out. I think that, you know, part of what people don't take into account, right, is, you know, like I even said earlier, you know, the Bears got better than they did last last season. How could you expect them to do worse? Well, you know, every other team in the league takes every offseason to go out there and try to get better and, and fix their wrongs. And, you know, every player out there is trying to get better. And, you know, even when, you know, you're a veteran that's been in the league, you're trying to get better or you're trying to, you know, smooth out your game, make it as good as possible, keep your positives being your positives and trying to mask over your weaknesses. And I think that, you know, I'm sure Trubisky has improved, you know, I think it's just a matter of how much, how quickly has he adjusted to the game? You know, I think that we've talked about this extensively. Most of his issues stem from, from the mental side of it. I think that, you know, his mechanics go wrong when he's really, really in a bad mental state. And it's something that we can only really see as the season takes its toll. I mean, we have barely had an NFL season. You know, we just finished camp. Um, it seems like it went by in a breeze, but we are, we're now we're finally in the long haul. Finally getting to play some games, and you know, the week to week tear is when we're actually going to see if Mitchell Trubisky has improved. So I, I don't think that you know we're really going to see that improvement until the the season rolls on, and you know, I, I feel like. Trubisky has improved a, a little bit, but I don't know if he's really quite made the leaps and bounds that have been told to us as Bears fans. But I do hope I'm wrong on that.
0: See, now what I can say right now is I do guarantee you that he's improved in training camp because I don't know if you guys remember this, but last year it seemed like he was throwing two to three picks a day. During every single training camp, it was constantly oh Mitchell Trubisky pick. And the year before that, it seemed like he was th- throwing th- two to three picks a day. Also, this is the first year where I've heard Mitchell Trubisky have a pretty clean training camp when it comes to interceptions. It's, the entire throughout the entire media time, uh, it seemed like only three. There he only threw. Th- Through three interceptions, and from my understanding, two of which were because the coaches were uh instructing the quarterbacks that if you get sacked, just chuck the ball up and see if a receiver can make a play on it. So, something that he wouldn't have done in a real game situation, um, or you know, maybe he would depending on how he's mentally developed. Um, but but uh, I that's the thing though, I cannot say. If these improvements are going to transfer onto the football field, now that that's the real concern. Is I think he's certainly improved in training camp. Everything that I've been seeing, everything I've been hearing, has been he's much he's a he's cleaner. You know, he's a little bit more efficient. You can't. It's hard to really tell in training camp sometimes, but if you look at how he performs on the field, that is the question that we need to ask ourselves. Is can he make this transfer? Uh, can he understand defenses? How, can he understand how you know certain coverages are moving? Is he getting better at mentally diagnosing things? Is he getting better through working through his progressions? Is he not getting? Is he not getting to his throws late? All things that Mitchell Trubisky struggled with. Now, if he improved that aspect, he's going to be a much better player because Mitchell Trubisky is not someone who is short on talent, not at all. He's someone who's mentally just not been there over the past couple of years. So. If he, if he can do that, I think we're going to see a much better, cleaner, crisper, more efficient version of Mitchell Trubisky. But I'm not re- ready to guarantee that situation happening. But what I do have to say is that I think the player that we need to hope that Mitchell Trubisky kind of follows the same path of, Is Dak Prescott, and I'm not a big Dak Prescott fan at all. I I I really would not want to give Dak Prescott a big contract. I think that he has a lot of issues on his own uh, as far as his performance on the field and just like I'm not a huge fan of him. Okay, Um, but when you look at his career path, just a year ago, a lot of people were ranking him close to the bottom of the league, bottom twenty. Um, And the year before that, had two really underwhelming years after a really big rookie year where he exceeded all expectations. And people were saying that they don't really know if Dak Prescott's the guy for uh, the Dallas Cowboys. And I think there are still some people uh, in Dallas who are questioning that, and I think that's ultimately why he doesn't have a contract. But last year, he had a much, much better year. He improved in certain regards. He improved a little bit with his accuracy. He just played a more kind of clean version of football, got more touchdowns, 30-touchdown season. And uh, ultimately, he just looked like a much better player. Now, some people are even saying that he's top 15, top 10. Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky, if he's improved, he can absolutely follow that career path. And that's who I think he should look to emulate. At, at the same time, I think it also shows
1: like franchise differences, though. I, I think that part of the reason why Dak was so successful last year is because they let uh, Dak run the ball a lot. He had a lot of freedom Very running true. the football and something that, you know, hopefully I, I wish for the Bears would allow Trubisky to do you know, Trubisky Mm -hmm. is so good with his legs that they really need to allow him to use that. And I think it would be beneficial for the football team. I think that goes along with what we said in the past about, you know, the Ravens fitting their whole play scheme for Lamar Jackson. I think that, you know, Nagy needs to make some adjustments for Trubisky, especially now they named him as a starter. Go out there and emphasize, let Trubisky use some of his legs. Let him do what he feels comfortable in. And then you can kind of try to roll in other parts of the offense, more parts of the scheme that Nagy actually wants to see himself. But, you know, you might as well tailor the offense a little bit to Trubisky.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that when we first signed Matt Nagy, I looked at, you know, the Mitchell Trubisky-Matt Nagy pairing as something that was going to be very successful. Because when he was with John Fox, Mitchell Trubisky showed off a lot of accuracy, and Mitch Trubisky in the past has shown off a ton of accuracy. I think the biggest thing that people need to really understand about Mitch Trubisky's accuracy issues, it's not because he – is an inaccurate quarterback. It's because he cannot process well. A lot of the throws he's throwing to are late in his progressions. A lot of the throws that he's making he doesn't really he's not all that confident in where he's going. He doesn't really know where the defense is responding. When you looked at the John Fox here with Mitchell Trubisky, he made some really, really insane throws. And Mitchell Trubisky still comes out and makes some really, really insane throws. I think that's why you look at him. And I think he, I don't know if this is still true after last year, but through his first Two years with the Bears, he was a top three fourth quarter, or sorry, top three crunch time quarterback. And that's because when you're in crunch time, you're throwing the quarterback a lot of plays they're comfortable with. And if you remember at the end of the Eagles game, how many crazy, insane throws that Mitchell Trubisky made against the Eagles that put us up for that supposed to be really easy field goal. Yeah. You, really? yeah that uh, obviously didn't work out. I was actually at that game, unfortunately. Um, but you you saw a different level of accuracy, a different level of confidence with Mitchell Trubisky. And now I'm kind of wondering if Matt Nagy is just not the right coach or if he's just not prepared for that type of scheme. I think Mitchell Trubisky is someone that needs to be in an offense that's a lot less complex, a lot more easier to understand, maybe something a little bit more traditional than uh, what Matt Nagy wants to run, which is a highly efficient and effective offense. Um, So I guess we're going to have to see if Mitchell Trubisky can mentally comprehend this offense and comprehend defenses better this year or if he's not going to be on the Bears anymore. And honestly, it wouldn't even surprise me if we saw a little bit of success from Mitchell Trubisky if he gets to another location because I can't say I'm that confident that Matt Nagy has been putting him in the best situations possible.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that sentiment purely. I think that's kind of, kind of the root of what I'm trying to get at, and that you know, there's a certain amount of give and take that each side needs to do, and you know, while I think you know, you know, Trubisky isn't blameless in the whole thing, neither is Nagy.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So why don't we get off of this depressing topic and actually get into our 52 man roster reaction. So I'm just gonna go through every single um. Every single position group really and read off the names that we uh that we have and where and who ended up getting cut and we're just gonna give some quick reactions. We'd maybe not spend a whole bunch of time on this topic, but definitely something that we want to talk about. So uh, I'm gonna pull it up right now. Okay, so for the quarterbacks, very first and foremost, Mitchell Trubisky starter, Nick Foles, second string and nobody has the third string, I think it was pretty expected, right, Reese? Yeah, that that seems about right. And then for our running backs, we went off and did David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, and the Wrecking Knoll, who we famously said was not going to make the team this year. And uh, he, he showed up over our boy, uh, Artavis Arte- Pierce.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely surprised on that one. I think that Artavis Pierce is a better fit for the offense. So I'm curious as to why they went with that move, but we'll see how it works out.
0: Yeah, still not a fan of Ryan Nall. I know a lot of people are saying that we we just can't wait for his chance. Like he, he it's his yeah. season. It's it's the wrecking all season. Um but yeah, I, I, I'm just not I'm not super excited for that. That's why I wanted to add another running back. I thought Tavis Pierce was surely gonna be the running back, um, if we kept a third one. Or I knew we were gonna keep a third one, but I thought he was gonna be the third running back and I thought that Ryan Nall was only going to make the team if uh, he ended up being our fourth guy and we kept a fourth running back. But nope, Ryan Nall actually makes the active roster. Then we get into wide receivers. We have Allen Robinson. Ted Ginn Jr. and Anthony Miller as our three top three wide receivers and then behind them behind uh, Ted Ginn we have Darnell Mooney who has reportedly been showing up in camp uh, had the most receptions a lot of people saying he looks like the most flashy players so some development there and behind Darnell Mooney we have Riley Ridley and then behind Allen Robinson we have Javon Wims so uh, I'm kind of Oh, and oh, sorry. We also have uh, Cordell Patterson, who is listed as a wide receiver after this entire camp. Matt Nagy and everyone hyped him up being a running back.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting on that front. And I guess we'll see how that progresses and if we're going to see a lot of snaps with Patterson at running back. Uh, Interesting, though, that, you know, Riley Ridley, Javon Wim still couldn't really quite separate themselves. Uh, Mooney really kind of showed to be the class, to be the best of the rest. And uh, we'll see what that means for Riley Ridley, kind of like snap count-wise as the season goes on. I think he's someone that needs a lot of snaps, kind of be getting a good rhythm, getting a good feel with this offense. So I think kind of keep him at a low snap count. It doesn't really help either the Bears or, uh, or him.
0: At tight end, we have Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, Demetrius Harris, and J.P. Holt. And... Oh, I wonder if we got rid of him thought I thought Eric, Eric sauber was on the roster too but it's not showing up maybe he's just uh on the back end of the roster or something
1: or he just got cut so rip, yeah he, he might have been he might have been cut we can't
0: really say right now <laughs> but for sure the top three are Jimmy Graham Cole Komet, and Demetrius Harris I think that's kind of what we anticipated right
1: yeah I mean I was interested between halts and horse that back and see why they went to uh To J.P. Holtz, I think that this is going to be a tight end group that's uh, the best the Bears have put out in a while. So definitely going to be excited to see how they develop and uh, the role that they take in the offense, hopefully a lot bigger.
0: On the offensive line, our starters are Charles Leno Jr., uh, Jermaine Effetti, James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, and uh, Bobby Massey at right tackle. So those are, you know, obviously pretty expected. As far as our backups, though. We went ahead and took Rashad Coward, um, Alex Bars, Jason Spriggs, and Arlington Hambright, who we actually drafted in the seventh round. So good on Arlington Hambright for making this team.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't so certain that he was going to make it. Uh, not surprised to see Jason Spriggs there and a couple of other guys. I think that this offensive line is going to be one to watch, maybe not for all the best reasons, but it's going to be crucial Um, about the Bears' offensive success to see how they perform and how they do under Juan Castillo. So probably one of the more important or bigger things to watch in this coming season.
0: Starting defensive line is Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols, and Roy Robertson-Harris. And then behind those guys, we have Brent Urban and Mario Edwards Jr. Oh, and John Jenkins at nose tackle. So, you know, tons of depth there. I I think this, uh, obviously, with the exception of Mario Edwards, kind of expected, as always. Um, So... I mean, I think that we're doing pretty good there. I, I, I Ideally, I would like to add another uh, nose tackle, um, but it doesn't seem like we're going to do that.
1: doesn't seem like it, which is unfortunate. Uh, you know, of course, this with Eddie Goldman would be a fantastic defensive line. Still is very good. Uh, it's just going to be curious to see how good Nichols can do in that uh, nose guard position. and uh, But definitely expect good things from Hicks. Ray Robertson-Harris, as always, and uh, happy to see that Brent Urban made it, someone that I thought was going to make it for sure.
0: And we'll have to see how Mario Edwards fits into it. And then for our edge rushers, we have Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack, of course, starting out. And then behind them, Barkevius Mingo, Travis Gibson... And James Vaughter so um, a much actually compared to last year we have two new backup edge rushers um, and some good guys unfortunately Khalil Mack's brother Ladarius Mack did not end up making the team or the practice squad I think we kind of talked about that how uh, we didn't really expect that to happen Uh, not that he's a a bad player by any means but just someone who's really raw and more of a athlete and name brand than uh, an actual great football player at this point in his career.
1: Yeah, and uh, I really like this grouping in particular. Of course, you know, it starts with the starters with Quinn and Mac, But I, honestly, I do kind of like giving Mingo a chance, someone that does have a lot of talent, um, but hasn't always put it into production, which, of course, is the, the major thing. But, you know, in a defense like this where I feel like he could flourish, I, I hope that, you know, he's able to kind of find his rhythm and his way into this defense. And, you know, Gibson and... Um, voters you know don't know an extreme amount about voters but you know i do expect you know kind of everyone to get a good amount of rotation and good amount of snaps in and, and hopefully keep everyone as fresh and healthy as possible
0: and then at our inside linebackers are two starters which You know, on the top end is a huge position group. Uh, We have Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan, two extremely talented players. Roquan Smith, I think, is going to have a huge year this year. And then behind them, we have Josh Woods and Joel E.A. Buniwe. So a little bit of, I don't know, I'm not too comfortable with with the backups here, I have to say.
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone is. I think it's kind of been a position that's been understated as far as a concern for this Bears team. Um, Losing Nick Kwiatkowski, I think, it's kind of kind of might bring itself up if uh, Trevathan or Smith, you know, hopefully they don't, but go down with an injury for a decent period of time. Not having that uh, really solid backup inside linebacker could could end up being a, a point of issue for this team.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, especially with Danny Trevathan, he has some injury history. So we might see some serious play from Joel E.A. who we drafted in the fourth round, what, like three years ago? Um, kind of someone we haven't got to see a whole bunch of, but hopefully he's been progressing well. Really athletic freak when you look at him um, and really explosive, kind of similar in a similar mold as Roquan Smith, but just doesn't have the same, you know, mental, I feel like processing capabilities or instincts as Roquan does. Let's go ahead and take a look at the safety position before we get into the cornerbacks to wrap it up. Uh, Looks like Trashawn Gibson actually won that starting safety role. We were talking a little bit. It seemed like uh, we might actually see Deion Bush winning that position. But the Bears ended up going with Treshawn Gibson. Uh, he's actually questionable for the game on uh, so this this coming Sunday. So that's a little bit concerning. But really going to be interested to see Treshawn Gibson, Eddie Jackson duo. That's going to be a really nice duo. I think I saw something that since 2017, they have combined for 18 interceptions. So kind of a, a really crazy stat line there. Uh, definitely going to be some really nice ball hawks in the back end there. And then on the in the depth, we have Deion Bush, of course, Sherrick McManus, who made that transfer there, Marquis Christian, who's technically out right now because he has to serve a two-game suspension, and then DeAndre Houston Carson and Jordan Lucas, but Jordan Lucas opted out, of course. Yeah, um, not am uh, not
1: surprised to hear... Um, Houston Carson make it as far well as McManus. I know that there's someone that have been, you know, big depth pieces. Uh, I mean, what you said, McManus has been to the Pro Bowl a, a decent number of times for being the, the special teams specialist or something along those lines.
0: Yeah, so definitely yeah a good no, depth he, piece. McManus is uh, uh, the longest term um, bear. He's been on the team for a very long time at this point. And yeah, he's, uh, he's a good special teams player.
1: Yeah, so I'm not surprised to see him. I know that Houston Carson has kind of had a good run for it where the Bears as well. I think he's made like the past three rosters. So definitely something that they like there with him. Marky Christian, someone that I thought would end up making the roster. And like you said, he yeah, has to serve that two game suspension. But more than anything at the top, um, you know, Dion Bush, great player. But I'm really happy that Trishawn Gibson was able to get that nod to be starter because I really am excited to see how he lines up with alongside. Eddie Jackson. So really excited to see how that plays out. I think they have the, the chance to be a really good duo with some uh, great
0: complimentary play as far as each one of their strengths. Then we go ahead and look at the cornerback core, which I think honestly was the most surprising to me as how this shook out. But Kyle Fuller, obviously, cornerback one. Cornerback two, Jalen Johnson, rookie, actually wins out the battle there. Uh, it really started to come down between it, I, I don't, Actually, I can't really say that. It seemed like he was kind of after Artie Burns went down, uh, the, the, the verified starter as soon as that happened. And then we have... Uh, Buster Scrine as a backup for Kyle Fuller, mainly going to play out of the slot. Duke Shelley made the team, who I think we actually projected to not make the team. Uh, sixth round pick from a year a year ago, and then Kendall Vildor uh, was the last cornerback on the roster. He ended up getting beat out. It seems like by Duke Shelley. So Duke Shelley has to be mightily improving. But uh, something that's a little concerning to me here when you look at this roster. By the way, we ended up cutting Kevin Tolliver, which was a bit of a surprise to me because he was kind of the main backup for Prince of Mukamara. And uh, I think that some people are kind of leaning towards believing it might have been some attitude issue. Maybe he had an issue with Jalen Johnson starting over him. We don't really know. He had issues when he was at LSU, which led to him going undrafted, uh, but he ended up getting cut. So now a cornerback core that I initially believe had tons of depth with Artie Burns and Kevin Tolliver now really goes down to Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson as the starters which you know obviously good on the front end but on the back end we have a lot of guys who are accustomed to playing the slot but also have some sort of outside cornerback experience but not the tallest guys so I don't know it's a, it's a little bit concerning I feel like the depth now yeah
1: I, I think that you know over walking was was a bit of a surprise for sure Kendall Wilder I'm happy that he's on it um, Duke Shelley you know like you said I guess we, we called for him to be cut um, I, I do think there is upside in his game but like you said you know someone that doesn't isn't the best size so you know if he had to step in on the outside it wouldn't be wouldn't be optimal um, Jalen Johnson you know of course Kyle Fuller I feel feel good with them but the depth is a little bit concerning it did seem a lot better with Artie Burns of course Buster Scrine being there is a, is a big help and I, I think he was someone if Jalen Johnson was probably battling with anyone I think it might have been Already burns because I mean he's yeah. a pretty versatile uh, cornerback and former first round you know, pick. Yeah he he is good out of the nickel if he's at his best out of the nickel but he can still play the perimeter pretty well. But I think with as long as you have Buster Scrying, I think you're doing all right. You know just with how versatile he is this the one that really pays off to have him. But kind of beyond that yeah I mean a few question marks and, and not as strong as we anticipated but I still think it's probably one of the better groupings they put together in a, in a little while.
0: Yeah, and I was initially a little bit confident we'd see Kyle Fuller potentially move this next season just because he's uh, going to have a really high payday, I think $20 million next year. Uh, So maybe someone who you consider moving if Jalen Johnson really performs and you have some good depth behind him. But now I'm starting to doubt that that actually happens just because it seems like we lost a lot of that depth. And if we moved him, it would really be committing towards more of a rebuild than rather a retool into next season. So that's going to be it for the roster. I think everything was to be expected out of the special teams. Um, The one thing that I kind of noticed was Darnell Mooney ended up getting the starting or the backup uh, punt returner and kick returner position over Anthony Miller. So he's obviously providing us some value there as well. Let's go ahead and get into our, you know, what we can finally do. This is the officially the first ever pregame show of the Bear Necessities Podcast, because, you know, everything that happened last season uh, where we had to kind of take a break from the podcast, this is the first ever pregame show on the Bear Necessities Podcast, and we luckily get to do it against the Detroit Lions. Now, Detroit Lions. They obviously, uh, they did. They you know they made a good amount of moves this previous season. Uh, they brought in Jamie Collins. They brought in uh, Jeff Okuda in the draft. DeAndre Swift. Um, plenty. They brought in plenty of guys. Honestly, they also brought in you know Julian Okwara. Uh, De- I already said DeAndre Swift, but Desmond Trufant, Jalen Curse. And uh, Danny Shelton, so brought in a good amount of talent, but they did lose their best defensive player that they have on their roster, Darius Slay, and they also ended up losing uh, Snacks Harrison. So two, you know, really big losses for them there. Um, Two guys that had an issue with Matt Patricia and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm looking at this as for this year, at least I think Jeff Okuda has the potential to become better than Darius Slay, but for this year, I'm kind of looking at their talent as a wash.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, from year to year, I mean, the Lions, you know, they generally seem to kind of make a decent amount of moves, but uh, they always end up in the same relative like position. You know, sometimes they really show some promise and hit their stride, and it wasn't too long ago when they were actually up there with the Packers, um, you know. Maybe four or five years ago, when Stafford was doing really well, and at the tail end of uh, of Megatron's c- career, they really kind of started making a good push for things. Had a decent team, but ever since then, it's kind of been the same. Dip back into to pretty low me- mediocrity for them. But you know, a team that you know their divisional opponent opponent, they know what the Bears are going to bring to them. You know, week and week out. You know, luckily Mitchell Trubisky has has been pretty good against them in the past. I'm really just kind of excited for the matchups. I mean, I, I think that, you know, we talked about, you know, the cornerbacks being a bit of a concern now. I'm curious to see how does How do, um, these corners match up against, you know, Detroit squad receivers and still position group It there. They're pretty good in, you know, maybe not as good as back in the day when they had Kelvin Johnson, but, you know, Kenny Galladay, you know, they have, they have other weapons in there and Stafford is someone that can get them, get them the ball and get it to him. Uh, usually with a decent amount of accuracy and it can be you know very explosive too I mean they're a team that likes to to throw the ball downfield so it's gonna be a bit of a test for the I think the secondary in this week and I'm excited to see how they react and you know ultimately the big question mark though is gonna be the offense and and see how they come out you know will Nagy run the ball I feel like Bears fans have been screaming pleading for for (laughs) Nagy to run the ball and you know, like you said, it's a Detroit defense that's kind of has some new faces to it. It's not they're not the same that the Bears are used to facing, maybe a little bit weaker up front. So hopefully something that the Bears can take advantage of and really kind of impose their will on and in the passing game and the running
0: game. Yeah, the Lions went 3-12-1 last year, but we have to remember that that was with Matt, Matthew Stafford out for most of the season there. Um, and then also they ended up uh, you know they end up having some other injuries along their defense as well, along their offense. But um, right now, the Lions' defense is certainly below average. It seems like Mitch lights them up every single game. Uh, they play a heavy man scheme, which Mitchell Trubisky tends to be really good at because it's not that hard to mentally comprehend. Uh, so that's part of the reason why we see Mitchell Trubisky absolutely light them up every single time he plays them. Um, their offensive line is alright, but they will be starting a rookie guard uh, across from Akeem Hicks, so that should be pretty brutal for them there. And then the weaponry on offense, you know, they, they, they do have a good, their offense is pretty good when Matthew Stafford's in there, um, but their weaponry in general is just kind of okay. Hawkinson has been extremely underwhelming. Uh, may I even say looking like a bust so far at the position he was drafted um, you know it was my opinion that they drafted the wrong Iowa tight end but uh, that was uh, last year and I think that so far that has held up to be true they kind of used them in a really weird way where they just kind of let him take uh, kind of in the way we use like Adam Shaheen almost like not super efficient not super effective um, and really overall underwhelming They do have Kenny Galladay though, who is a good wide receiver, uh, kind of similar to Allen Robinson. I think Allen Robinson's a little bit better, uh, but still Kenny Galladay, good wide receiver. Um, and you know, they were able to move the ball last year. So our defense, it's not going to be able to, I still think that our defense will really dominate them, but I think they're going to be a little bit more competent than we saw them last year. Um, but ultimately, uh, We'll also have to see if they develop any sort of rushing attack with DeAndre Swift and now Adrian Peterson. But uh, do you have any record or do you have any predictions for the Detroit Lions as far as a score goes? Yeah,
1: I know the I Lions
0: mean, yeah. are actually favored in this game.
1: Yeah, to me, I see this one kind of playing out to be a bit of a grind. I think it's going to be Week One. I think it's going to be sloppy. Um, neither team really having a chance to, of course, no team in the NFL having a chance to to get things warmed up in preseason. So I think we're going to see some maybe some pretty shocking plays from, from here and there. I'm not saying it's going to be absolutely out of the category of what the NFL should look like, but I think we're probably going to see some mistakes and I, I think that, you know, neither offense is really going to get going great. I think the bears defense is going to hold Detroit in check pretty well. You know, like I said, not a team with a great running game. This allows Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn just to, to pin back and go after Matthew Stafford all day. I think Stafford will find his targets. I think he will find Galladay. I don't think that, you know, Stafford will have an overly bad game, but I see this being a twenty to fourteen win by the Bears. I think the Bears are gonna be able to move the ball somewhat uh somewhat efficiently, you know, get down into the red zone a decent amount. I still see them, you know, plugging in a couple of field goals. Um, instead of touchdowns, I think it's going to be a game where they have the opportunity to go in and put in the end zone four or five times, but I don't see them doing that. So I think they get in the end zone a couple times. And I think the bears, you know, probably control the game and maybe Detroit, you know, sneaks back, tries to get a late push, gets a late touchdown, ends up 20
0: to 14. I think so the bears
1: uh, do win
0: you know, their first game in the past three games that Mitch Trubisky has played against the Lions he has put up three touchdowns in every single one of those games and he's also only put up one interception so I'm gonna go ahead I'm gonna give the Bears a little bit more respect than you might, Reese and I'm gonna go ahead and, and put them at 27 points I think that you know I do agree with you I think that this game might look a little bit more dominant than the score actually displays because I could see the Bears moving the ball pretty well but still when they get into the uh, red zone kind of stuttering like they have last year and I would be shocked if the Lions put up more than 16 points on this Bears defense I just you know they are a good offense but they're not better than the Rams and they're not better than, you know, a lot of other teams that we've played that uh, has had way better offenses and we've held them in better check than 16 points. So ultimately I think it's probably going to end up being something about 27 to 16 an 11 point win. And uh, I do see it being kind of dirty in the beginning. I think we'll see the bears come out initially to a little bit of a fast start because they have a lot of scripted plays. I think it's going to be some good moving the ball. I think they might even score on their first possession, which I think would be, uh actually no I think Matt Nagy did that on in his very first game so I think the Bears will score in their first possession and then I think you might see a little bit of the sputtering that we started to see last year and then after the half I think the Bears are going to end up the offense is going to take off a little bit and start performing even better uh, more smoothly especially with no preseason games this could be end up being a closer game than I'm predicting but uh, ultimately I think it's probably going to end up being something like 27 to 16 Uh, I do think the Bears are going to win this game
1: yeah, I think the third quarter in this game, just because it's the first uh, first game of the year and the way things are going to play out, uh, I think the third quarter, which is usually kind of the, the more irrelevant quarter. Sometimes there's just a lot of time wasting, time burning, running the football to, to get into the fourth quarter. I, I think that's going to be a really important third quarter. I think um, there's a chance that it heads into halftime pretty close. You know, I don't think either team's really going to get out to a huge lead in this game. So it'll be a a one possession, I think, heading into halftime, whether that be a field goal or a whole touchdown. And I think, you know, each team's going to have a chance to retool and and kind of, you know, get in their own headspace and kind of, you know, decide what game plan they want to take for the rest of the game. I think it's going to be big, I think, you know. There probably is going to be some adjustments that Nagy needs to make in the second half, and I think it's a matter of, you know, how big of adjustments he's willing to make as to, uh, you know, how good the Bears are going to do in the second half. I just I don't see the Bears, you know, coming out firing that well on offense. I don't I can't see them putting up twenty seven points. You know, just personally I, I know that they have lit up Detroit in the past, but I don't know. I, I guess I still have a little bit of reservations as to how good this Bears offense can be. And I guess I really just want to see them, you know, have a pretty balanced attack, and I'm sure, you know, with the way Detroit is, I mean, there is the the chance that the Bears could really light them up. But in my opinion, I think it's just going to be a little bit more of a closer, closer fought strategic game uh, come the the fourth quarter, and I think it will end up, you know, pretty tight.
0: You know, I I just really have a hard time believing that this is going to be a tight game. Um, maybe I'm going to be wrong and maybe the Detroit Lions really did change a lot this off but it just, even, it seems like honestly, every single time the Bears even play Detroit, the record or the score looks closer than the game actually is. It always seems like Mitchell Trubisky handles them very effectively, efficiently, and it looks like Matthew Stafford, even when it's just Matthew Stafford, that he can't really do much. So I just... I really have it hard. Like I'm, I'm not even a huge fan of the Chicago Bears offense. I'm really not, but it just seems like they just have Matthew Patricia, like in their hands every single game. And you know, Matthew Patricia, you look at him and uh, his players don't really like him that much either. And when you have a coach that players are saying that they're not a huge fan of, that's uh, that's not a very convincing sign. I think the Lions are kind of a flawed organization, and I just. Not that the Bears don't have some of their own flaws, but at least we don't have players that are really complaining about the coaching, the players on the team. So ultimately, I just, I really have a hard time believing that this is going to be a close game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see how it plays out. And I think a lot of it has to hinge on, you know, how the Bears start off. And I think, you know, also the mentality that they take in. And wrapping up the game, I think just you know with how I've seen the Bears play their first games of the season in the past few years, you know, even you know in twenty eighteen when they jumped out to that quick lead against Green Bay and looked like they had every right to put them out, they didn't end up scoring another point in the second half. So I guess kind of just you know my my way I see the Bears finishing on week one. Uh, maybe it's just a, my vision's a little tainted just because of what they've done in the past few performances and and how they've played you know, it's just the bears in general, they're not, not a great finishing team. We saw that a lot last year They leave, they let teams linger around for too long. And, you know, hopefully we see the change of that, but you know, it is a week one. And I think that things could get sloppy. And I think the bears don't really, they might not have the luxury of being able to pull out to a, a real quick lead and be able to to sit on it.
0: And that's really the two options that occur here, either, you look at the way the Bears have played in previous week ones and also against like a lot of other teams, and the offense has struggled. Or you look at how the Bears specifically have played against Detroit, and the offense looks like they're, you know, top 10 offense. So, really, it's gonna be interesting to see which one of those ends up being the case. Are the Bears gonna? That's why, even if the Bears do put up, you know, 27, 30, even 34, 35 points. I'm not going to be convinced that this offense is is a great offense. I'm not going to be convinced that Mitchell Trubisky is a great quarterback. I'm truthfully just going to believe that this is kind of a uh, because we're playing Detroit type of situation. And I'm sure my boy uh, Don Burr, who comments on every single one of these, uh, <laughs> every single one of my videos that's a Detroit Lions fan, is going to come at me flaming. So Don, uh, please uh, comment in the comment in the video what you think about our takes here. I'm sure I think you're subscribed to me, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll get some hate from you. But yeah, I'm sorry, bro. I think that the Lions are unfortunately probably going to lose this game, but I'm not. I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibility that they end up beating us. And if they do, when I come on this pod, on uh, I don't know when we're going to do the next pod. We're still trying to figure out our schedule for the season. But when when I come on the next pod, I'm going to be just completely just like devastated and lethargic. I'll probably be sick for a week.
1: Yeah. Well, if they end up uh, losing to the lions this week one and, and they don't look good, I mean, ooh, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. And it looks like they might be in for a long season. Of course, that's not the case. It's only week one I at mean, the same way that a, a win will feel great. You don't want to get ahead of yourself too much. It is week one. There's a lot of Super Bowl teams that have lost week one. Um, it's not a mandatory win at all but it'd be a nice a good start and a game that they should win um like i said detroit you know kind of a, the bottom dweller in the division uh, you know trying to trying to throw some respect on onto before saying you guys have been good in the somewhat recent past but yeah i mean it's cg same old same old detroit and you want to be able to at least get your two wins against them
0: yes sir and, uh, you know, ultimately, if this team, this team really needs to get off to a hot start this year, they didn't get off to a hot start either the past two years. And we're just gonna have to pray that it happens this year. But let's go ahead and let's get into our final topic of the podcast. Six players that the Chicago Bears should sign in free agency right now to really finish off this roster and prepare us for more success this year. Uh, Reese, why don't you give me your first player?
1: Yeah, my first player, uh, I mean, might as well keep it while we're on the the topic of Detroit. You know, we've been saying this for a while, Snacks Harrison. Uh, I think he's someone that even though Bilal Nichols has shown that he's competent, he can play that, you know, that nose position. I I think that, you know, bringing in someone like Harrison just for depth, I mean, at this point, he's going to be wanting to play on a team. He doesn't have a team. He was going to take a very... Very small, very affordable one-year contract. I think it would be worth bringing in the depth, someone that has a lot of experience in that scheme, someone that plays well in that style of defense. I think there would be a lot of value in bringing him in on a very uh, lucrative deal.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I think Snacks Harrison is someone that we've consistently talked about that we hope this team will bring in. Um, but hope, I don't know. It doesn't really seem like they're going to do that, unfortunately. It looks like they're going to try to already Yeah, they're going to try to stick with Bilal Nichols. Maybe, who knows, if they come in this off season and he's not performing the best, maybe we do actually end up changing. But uh, ultimately... Um, I like the addition, but I don't see it happening, unfortunately. My first player is Cordy Glenn. Uh, he was a tackle with the Bengals. Really good player. Um, kind of known to have some personal issues. So another player that the Bears will likely, in reality, stay away from. And someone they likely would have already brought in. But player who's who's been a really good player um, and has performed really well in certain regards. Uh, so he would be someone who I think would be an awesome addition. Go ahead and swap out Bobby Massey. Or um, even if he like transfers over to guard or plays where charlano jr does he's better than probably both of our left tackles right now he's just sitting on the streets currently
1: yeah and it seems like some of these you know kind of bad nfc north or afc north teams can always put together some decent offensive lines you know be at the Bengals, be at the browns who have had a, a bevy of of good offensive linemen in the past i think that you know any kind of help that the bears can get along the offensive line i think is very much welcomed i you know i know that you know they're kind of more of a concern at guard i mean i know they have a Fetty coming in but guard always seems like the more you know likely spot but at the same time you know massey you know has not been the most tremendous in the past i think that he's played you know well enough to earn him that spot and that's why he keeps playing uh year after year but you know at the same time he hasn't hasn't been amazing the offensive line hasn't been amazing for a couple of seasons now so we I could certainly kind of, improve yeah i think there's certainly improvement to be had there i think that takes me into my next player i have josh klein uh, formerly of, of minnesota someone that got cut just one year, one year into his three-year deal uh i think that you know he's a guard i think he's someone that could bring in a lot of help for this Bears team i think you know in the past you know we get to watch the Vikings a lot, being Bears fans get to see them in a lot of division games, get to see them broadcasted locally. They're not someone that has the greatest offensive line. Um, but, you know, you can kind of see the bright spots. And I think that Josh Klein was someone that was actually pretty steady on that offensive line. I think their um, problems actually come from their opposite guard and, and kind of other places on that line, I think, where they have a lot of issues. But I think Klein was a good piece of stability. I think that he'd be good to bring in, um I he could very much start on this Bears offensive line, if not depth. Um, you know, like you said, uh, you know, he's just another quality offensive lineman sitting waiting for a team to pick him up.
0: Yeah, and that would be a really huge addition, especially if Jermaine Ifedi isn't off to a great year. It's kind of funny when I was watching uh, I know the Chicago Bears are doing that like little football series on their YouTube where they kind of get you an inside look at their facilities and how things are going. And one of the very first videos they had was with uh, Akeem Hicks just absolutely blowing through Jermaine Effetti uh, in, in a practice tape, and they were breaking that down. <laughs> so that, uh, you know, Akeem Hicks is a good player, but uh, when he kind of gets to the backfield untouched, that's a little bit of a concern there. Um, my second player, of course, is Lamar Miller, uh, someone who's just kind by the Patriots, someone who has quite the checkered history. Uh, Kind of a weird career for him, but Honestly, someone who could I think would be a really good compliment here in Chicago to David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen, uh, kind of giving us a nice in between. We talk about the consistently how we need that in between, you know, side with um, where you have someone who's quicker, but also someone who has that speed, who also someone who has a big enough size where if he needs to go through the middle of the offensive line, he can handle that. And that's why I think Lamar Miller is uh, for us. And especially if you guys, I know a lot of our YouTube subscribers, big fan of Ryan Nall. He's not gonna, he's not gonna uh, get into any sort of Ryan Nall territory either, so you don't need to really worry too much about him losing a spot thanks to Lamar Miller.
1: Yeah, I think Lamar Miller would actually be a really good fit. I think he's exactly the kind of running back that the the Bears need. You know, someone who's just extremely comfortable with the ball in his hands, whether it be on a running play or you know catching a screen out the backfield or even you know running routes. He's someone that can do it pretty prolifically. He's been a pretty balanced back. Like you said, he's kind of had a weird history with the number of teams that he's been on and just how he's bounced around, especially frequently. But, you know, not much of that to do with the talent. Some of it just to do with health issues. It always seems like he always is, uh, you know, always having issues with those. But I think in a backfield where he wouldn't have to take, you know, too much responsibility, uh, I think he would be a good fit and probably a good chance that he would be able to stay healthy, you know, kind of in the... In the backfield where the Bears aren't the deepest, but it seems like, man, they have a lot of people to give the ball to somehow. You know, they're not great at the position, but a lot of players are going to be asking for the ball, whether it be Cohen Montgomery. You know, Null is probably going to want his touches in short, you know, distant situations. Patterson's been told that he's going to get touches running the ball. So kind of a crowded backfield, but not the, not the best. And uh, that moves me on, that uh, brings me to my final one, another running back, uh, Devonta Freeman, uh, someone that you know. Once again, we've talked about a, a large amount. I think that he's someone that you know isn't quite the same player as Lamar Miller, but kind of checks off the same boxes in a way. I mean, he can do he can do just about everything. I do like his size, and he's someone that has you know, you know, w- at their peak with the Falcons, they had Coleman and him kind of being a two, uh, kind of like a two horse backfield that you know. Freeman always kind of seemed to carry the, the majority of the load but I think if he stepped into a role at this Bears team where him and Montgomery are, are, are carrying the majority of the load I think that you know each of them would kind of have a get a chance to bring a lot more energy to each play and I think that'd be a pretty dynamic backfield I would definitely like the look of that and I think it's someone that Trubisky would also benefit from someone like Freeman in the backfield I think that He's kind of a quarterback's friend at that running back position can uh, can turn a lot of those, you know, check down passes into some pretty significant plays.
0: I agree with you. And I also agree with you that we also definitely need to add a running back. This one, someone who I have not talked about on this podcast yet. And I don't even know if this person would want to come here to Chicago. I know he wanted to come here in the past, which we uh, we have not actually talked about on the show. But uh, that is Marshawn Lynch. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, he's now. Listen, he now. Hear me out. Hear me out. The Chicago Bears have done a really good job with adding some guys with some more swagger and some kind of more vibrant personalities. With like Jimmy Graham, uh, Ted Ginn Jr., you know, they're not super vocal guys, but veteran guys, you know, performed well in this league can kind of help coach up the younger guys. I mean, look at how how well Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet have been doing together. They've really formed a bond, and I think that adding someone like a Marshawn Lynch could. It, his uh his personality could kind of help the team out even more than his play on the field you know giving someone with a lot of confidence helping david montgomery uh kind of with just like the whole complexities of being a pro kind of just helping him move him along cuz he still is a young player um and just adding someone who can really give this offense some personality and you know i think that the chicago bears offense is lacking that truthfully like I think that we need to add more players who are really confident guys guys who really you just don't want to mess with and I think Marshawn Lynch is one of those guys so I think that adding Marshawn Lynch I don't know if you guys know this but Marshawn Lynch wanted to come to Chicago back when he was early on in his career he wanted a one-for-one trade with Matt Forte in him um, but that never ended up happening um, but yeah adding Marshawn Lynch I think would be a home run signing for the Chicago Bears.
1: Yeah, you know, I agree with the sentiment. I I think that, you know, bringing in a personality like Marshawn, I think the Bears do need more of that. They kind of keep things a little too clean, a little too nice sometimes in this Bear organization. And it helps them with a lot of off-field stuff, you know. And and I get that. And they're all about maintaining their image, and I can respect that. I think, though, you know, bringing in someone like Marshawn, I think, right, you know, they kind of add more energy. They spice things up. They're leaders. You know, there's someone that you can get behind rally behind really kind of feed off their energy. Someone that, you know, inspires the whole team. I think that Marshawn in general himself, I don't know if, you know, I think he's kind of gotten a a, a little slow and he's not quite the back that he once was. Uh, You know, I do like him as a player though. I respect for, for what he's been able to accomplish, even longevity of his career for that type of running back. Um, you know, if they're gonna end up bringing in Marshawn Lynch, you know, please cut Ryan Null. I think that you can't, you don't need two of those running backs. <laughs> no, on, we do uh, not on the roster. Um, you know, I, I think that there would be value in bringing him in for sure. I don't think it's a a move that the Bears are likely to make. But hey, I mean, it'd be interesting to see Marshawn in a Bears uniform. I'll at least say that.
0: Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. One of my, and maybe I'm a little bit biased because he's one of my favorite players of all time. But um, ultimately, I would just love to see him add to the team. And, uh, but before we wrap up the show, we have a little bit of depressing news that I just found out as soon as I opened up my phone. Uh, The Bears have placed kicker Eddie Pinheiro on IR. He's out for at least the first three weeks of the season. Cairo Santos is coming up from the practice squad, which. Is uh is bad news. It's bad news. That's that really
1: interesting sucks. interesting, but I, I remember seeing that, you know, as soon as Santos originally got cut or replaced on the practice squad that this was likely what was gonna happen. So uh, I mean I guess it shouldn't catch us too off guard. But yeah, definitely unfortunate. Said to hear for Eddie Pinero. Hopefully he can come back man, we really need some consistency at that position. So hopefully this doesn't linger around too long.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's going to go ahead and wrap up the show, guys. You got an hour and 20-minute episode. So uh, thank you, if you're listening to this, for listening fully through to the end. We really appreciate that. Um, And then for you guys who are listening on YouTube, we also appreciate you too. Um, So, yes, thank you guys, and uh, bear down.